can be seated. We're going to get into our Bible lesson, and I can tell Pastor and I have had the same uh, heart this week because we've both been thinking about heaven, and with the passing of Sister Frazier, I've had heaven on my mind. How many think about heaven every once in a while? You really should. It is the hope of glory, and heaven really is our, our home. And we're going to talk about that for a little bit here. And so I want to talk about a glimpse of heaven for just a few moments this morning. And, you know, we often talk about salvation in terms of what we're being saved from. So we, uh, we sometimes uh, think about hell, being saved from hell. And uh, I'm thankful that I'm saved from hell. Amen. And we often think about it our salvation in terms of what we're, God has delivered us from, but we don't often think about it in the proper sense, and that is that God is saving us for something. If you're a Christian, if you're a child of God, God is saving you for something, and it's something way beyond this world, and, and that really ought to be our focus. Uh, like the picture behind me represents, I have the tall building kind of looking up, you ever been in downtown Atlanta or I grew up in Chicago you'd be in downtown Chicago and you'd be in the middle of all those skyscrapers and you look up and it just feels like you're small and insignificant have you ever felt that way you just look up especially if you're in the middle of a, a great big city and you can barely see the skyline and sometimes it feels like you're looking up past insurmountable heights like this world is all there is you can't see the sky you can't see the stars. But there is something beyond this temporal world. There's something beyond what we can see and taste and touch. And as Christians, we have to be focused on that. If we get too focused on just what we can touch and what we can see, then we're not truly spiritual, are we? Because spiritual things are things that go beyond our human vision, that go beyond our human senses. And, uh, and that's why I'm excited that when God filled me with the Holy Ghost, I spoke in other tongues. It was something beyond this world. It was something beyond what I could do. Nobody can give you the Holy Ghost. It's supernatural. God fills you with His Spirit supernaturally. Anybody believe in the supernatural this morning? It's a powerful thing. Anybody ever witnessed a miracle before? I've seen God heal cancer in my life. I've had God heal me when I when the doctor said there was... No hope for my heart. The doctors came in and said, we don't know how this happened, but, but we know that God touched my life. It was a supernatural miracle. And, uh, and so there are things that go far beyond this world. And when we first come to the Lord, salvation is our only real goal. That's all that's on our minds. As newborn Christians, we, we want to know the Lord better. And, uh, and no matter where you are in your walk with God, you ought to desire to know God better. How many want to know God better? And no matter how long I'm, I've been married, we've been married, uh, Rachel and I have been married 11 years now, and, and I, still want, I, still want to, uh, I still want to talk to her. I still want to know what she's thinking. I still want to have a deeper relationship. All good marriages have that. And as the bride of Christ is the church, we ought to be seeking to know God better. We want to know the mind of God. That's very important. But I've found that many people become disillusioned or bitter or disenfranchised with the church 
because they expect from the church, and what I mean by that is, is us, the church isn't this building. How many know that we're the church? You and I together, we make up the church. And people expect from you and I as the church, they expect perfection. But perfection can only be found in God, and it will only be found in heaven. Sadly, the, the prevailing teaching of Christianity, and I, I mean that in the broadest sense of the word, has become preoccupied with finding true pleasure and happiness and purpose in this present world than in the age to come. Did you know that walking with God and salvation and, and, and all of the things that we do as children of God, it is not just to bring temporary happiness in this world. Did you know that? It does bring happiness. Doing right, living right, having a right relationship with God does bring happiness. But that isn't the purpose of salvation is just for us to have happiness in this world. The purpose of salvation is so that we can be with the Lord in heaven forever. That's the reason why we're saved. In fact, if you look, and not to be depressing, but I just have to be true to the Bible here. If you look at the apostles, all 12 of the apostles and and the early Christians who followed Jesus, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost, that early church, they suffered great pain. They were martyred for the for the sake of Jesus. They, they didn't live perfect lives. They didn't uh, work their 30 years and get their mansion and drive their Mercedes and get their retirement and, and, uh, and retire to Florida and golf every weekend. That isn't how their life played out because that is not the purpose of the gospel. The gospel is to save our soul, not our human body, but our soul to be with the Lord forever in heaven. And that is the Christian's purpose. That's our heartbeat. And in, in, in this, what I call kind of pseudo-modern, postmodern Christianity, the preacher and the pastor becomes a kind of self-help guru, kind of like a Dr. Phil or an Oprah. And because of this, many Christians quickly fall asleep to the reality of heaven. They forget about heaven. In fact, if you talk to uh, denominational Christians, you could just catch people on the street and ask them if they're Christian and then ask them about their main priorities in their walk with God. You'd be hard-pressed to find someone who would actually talk about heaven. Heaven would be one of the last things on their minds. But can I tell you, heaven ought to be at the forefront of our thinking. A pastor sang it. If you go through the hymnal, and listen, I love hymns. I'm not one of these people who hates new songs. I like new songs. The Bible says to sing unto the Lord a... Mm. I felt a little resistance there, but we, 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 do have to, we do have to sing new songs. That's okay, but I love the old songs. That doesn't mean we throw the old songs out and stomp on them. I love the old songs, and I like some of the new songs. And, uh, and, but if you, if you study, if you just pick up an old hymnal, and I love, I have hymnals in my office, and every once in a while I'll just get one out, and uh, I'll read it. And what I love about the old hymns is you can, you can read them, and they're theological. They take you on a theological journey, and they're, they're Bible. They're just ripped from the pages of the Bible. The old hymns were basically, and many of the new songs too, but the old hymns had a way of bringing out deep theological truths, not just surface stuff, but deep theology and putting it to melody and putting it to a beat, and it's a beautiful thing. And, and the other day I was going through the hymnal, 
as I do every once in a while, and I was noticing, I mean, a vast majority of the old hymns were about heaven and about the hope of heaven and the reality of heaven. And, oh, I want to see him, to look upon his face. That, that was the heartbeat of those early pioneer Christian songwriters and many of them apostolic songwriters. They, they had a heartbeat that said, I, I'm not longing for this world. But I'm fearful that we have a lot of Christians today who are longing for this world and they've lost their longing for heaven. If you lose your longing for heaven, you have lost the heartbeat of God. God created you for eternity with Him in heaven. He didn't create you just to be in this world for a few fleeting moments. Life is like a vapor. Pastor said it the other day at Sister Frazier's beautiful homegoing service. He said that life is but a vapor, and it's so true. Life is it's just a very short moment. Even if you get 110 years in the eyes of God and in the grand scheme of, of eternity, 110 years is just a fleeting moment of time. But my friend, when your soul slips into eternity, you're either going to go to heaven or you're going to go to hell. And I don't know about you, but I've made up my mind. I'm going to meet the Lord in the air. I'm going to walk on the streets of gold. I'm going to see the new Jerusalem. I'm going to walk and talk with Jesus. I'm going to sing in the heavenly choir. And they don't have to give me a solo. They can put me in the back row somewhere and I'll sing off key with everybody else and all the great angels can sing in front of us. But I am going to be with the Lord in heaven. It's the longing of my heart. It's the desire of my soul. It's my heartbeat. And it's the heartbeat of God. And the church cannot lose sight of the fact that we are not living for this world. We're not living for this world. That's one of the reasons that God said so many times to come out from among them and be ye separate because we're not a part of this world. We're, we're, not, we're not partakers of all of the glitz and the glamour and the sin and all of the fleeting pleasures. And listen, I want to tell you, sin offers pleasure. Now that didn't sound like what you thought I was going to say. Sin will offer pleasure. But it offers fleeting pleasure with eternal consequences. You know, we, uh, I was, listen, I, I got the Holy Ghost in Walmart the other day. I mean, I was almost dancing and shouting and running the aisle. And they have those great big aisles. So I was just ready to run them like I was in church. Because Bluebell ice cream. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You know, it had been gone for a I don't even care if it has listeria in it. I'll eat the listeria ice cream. That's fine. You know it's a tremendous product when you don't care. I, I, was, I, was, I was writing them letters at the corporate office. When's it coming back to Atlanta area? Send the listeria. Send the ones you don't want. That's fine. I just need bluebell. I was going through serious bluebell withdrawal. And if you know me... One of my favorite things in this world is bluebell ice cream, especially the salted caramel. I'm going to tell you, if you've never had it, you have not lived because it is a glimpse of heaven. It is a taste of heaven. And, and I don't know many things about heaven. The Bible doesn't give us a whole, really in the grand scheme, the Bible doesn't tell us a whole lot about heaven. It just gives us kind of a glimpse, a foretaste, just a little, just a little touch to whet your appetite. But if I know anything at all, it's, there's going to be bluebell ice cream in heaven. It's going to be there. It just is. 
And uh, I was all excited. I walked in. I wasn't even looking for ice cream. I just happened to be walking by the freezer section. And the freezer, the ice cream section is like a magnet. I'm not even trying to go to it. My body just begins to just kind of drift over there without even meaning to. And I, I was walking over expecting all of those inferior products. And uh, even Ben and Jerry's, it's just, it's terrible compared to Bluebell. And I walked over and I saw a whole case of Bluebell. And, uh, and I was so excited. And, uh, and everyone else, it was Friday night, everyone was getting ready for the snowpocalypse. And so everyone was in the bread aisle and in, they were getting milk. And, and people were buying responsible things. And I was buying four gallons of Bluebell ice cream. I forgot to get bread because I was so excited there was Bluebell ice cream. And uh, so my priorities are right. They're straight. But, but let me tell you, I love Bluebell. And if I'm not careful, I, I can eat more than I'm willing to say out loud. But th- as wonderful as that is, and, and I'm being facetious, of course, but as wonderful as Bluebell is and as much as I love it, if I were to eat a whole gallon every night for three weeks... It would be enjoyable. I would love every moment of it. But there would be consequences. There would be. There would be consequences. And, and sin is that way. I hate to compare, compare Bluebell to sin because that just seems wrong. But, but sin is that way. You know, it can be enjoyable for a season, but it always has consequences. Some of it takes a little bit longer to come around. You know, the Bible says you reap what you sow, and that's, that's, a, that's a depressing statement and a wonderful statement at the same time. Because if you reap seeds of sin and seeds of pain and you, and you, uh, you sow seeds of rebellion, you're going to reap that in your life eventually. But if you sow seeds of righteousness and you sow seeds of goodness and you sow seeds of, of, of holiness, you'll reap blessings in your life. How many believe that? And so whatever you're sowing, that's what you're going to reap. If you're sowing righteousness, you'll reap blessings. If you're sowing sin, you're going to reap consequences. And, and the, the ultimate consequence of sin is hell. And the ultimate blessing for righteousness is heaven. Everyone said heaven. But many Christians are asleep to this reality. And one of the gravest concerns that the church faces today is that our hope for the afterlife has slipped what I call Uh, slipped into slumber. Our hope for heaven has fallen asleep. And when I say heaven, I don't just mean the place. I mean being with the Lord in heaven. Because the greatest thing about heaven is that we're going to be with the Lord forever. He's the light of heaven. He's the creator of it and the afterlife and all of the glory that awaits us. Now, in the New Testament, we constantly see the writers expressing the deep longing for the inheritance. And that's what Paul called heaven. He said that that heaven is our inheritance as children of God. That's why we call ourselves the children of God. He, he's given us an eternal inheritance, the hope of glory. But I'm afraid that the, the desire for the afterlife has become a moan of boredom in most churches today. We're more interested in the pleasures of this life than the bliss of the next life. But the early church drew pictures on the catacomb walls portraying heaven with beautiful landscapes. How do you think that they could go into the Colosseums and be thrown to the lions and burned at the stake? See, even saying that, I feel the pushback from our modern Western thinking because we don't even like thinking about persecution. 
We, the idea of persecution, we think that if somebody gets upset when we pray in a public place, that's persecution. But my friends, compared to what some of our modern day Christians are going through in Iraq and Afghanistan, and, and lit, there is literally a Christian genocide happening around the world. There is a modern Christian holocaust taking place right now at the hands of radical extreme Muslims all around the world. But here in the United States, we think we're persecuted if somebody doesn't like it when we say the name of Jesus in public. My friends, we are not truly suffering persecution in America yet. But we have to be willing, we have to be willing to undergo what the early church went through if, if, that's, what, if that's what the world brings us to. And I'm going to tell you, the only way that you will ever be able to make it through that kind of persecution. And the only way our brothers and sisters are enduring that kind of persecution. There are literally ISIS members. I read a story the other day where they, they held a gun to a, a man's head, a preacher's head. And they said, renounce your Christian faith and convert to the Muslim faith right now. Or we're going to kill you right now. That's happening all over the world right now. I know we're pushing back. Again. You're talking about heaven, Brother Ryan. Why are you bringing up depressing things? Because that man, he could have lied. He could have lied and pretended to convert and not actually converted. Of course, that would not have been the right thing to do. That's not at all what the example that the early Christians gave us. We're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. And so he said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. So we can't be ashamed of our faith in the Lord, even if our life is in jeopardy. But he told them, and they said, and it made an impact on those men. He said, he said the, the reason that I am willing to face death right now is because I'm not living for this world. I'm living for the hope of glory. And whatever you do to my physical body, he said, you can kill my physical body, but my soul will live on in eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want, to, I want you to know, the only way that you will have the courage to face that kind of persecution is if you have the hope of glory in your life. If you're living for this world, you will renounce your faith at the first sign of persecution. But if you have your hope in heaven, then come what may, no matter what this world brings, you'll be able to stand up for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And some of us are too afraid to share our faith with our neighbors. We're too afraid of what our co-workers. We're so afraid they'll think that you're some kind of extreme wacko kook Christian. And so we won't even share our faith. We won't even talk about how God filled us with the Holy Ghost. I had someone tell me the other day. I don't want to talk about the miracles that God has worked in my life. Because there's people that will think I'm crazy. They won't believe my story. I want you to know we cannot be ashamed of what God has done. We cannot be ashamed of the supernatural. We cannot be ashamed of the Holy Ghost. We cannot be ashamed of our worship. We cannot be ashamed of revival. We've got to stand up proudly. If you're ashamed of a little bit of pushback in culture, then you will not make it when true persecution comes. So we have to have our eyes lifted towards heaven. We have to have our minds on things above. I love that song. We don't sing it much anymore. But I woke up this morning with my mind stayed on Jesus. We've got to have our mind on the right things. It's very, 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 very important. And so heaven is a source of strength for us right now. Point to yourself and say right now. 
Heaven is a source of strength for you right now. It's not just something that, that's theoretical that we're thinking about for a long time from now when we slip into eternity, but heaven is a reality right now that ought to impact our life right now. It's not just something we're waiting for. We can have a glimpse of heaven right now. Every time you come to church and lift up your hands and feel the presence of God, you're seeing a glimpse of heaven. Every time you see a child receive the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues, you know what you're seeing? You're seeing a glimpse of eternity. Every time you witness a miracle, you know what you're witnessing? You're witnessing a glimpse of heaven. Every time you pray and you feel the touch of God and you see a prayer answer, you're witnessing a glimpse of heaven. Anybody ever witnessed a glimpse of heaven before? You ought to lift up your hands and thank God that he has brought his kingdom into this world. It's not an earthly kingdom. It's not a kingdom made with brick and mortar and stone and wood. It's not going to decay. Moth and rust isn't going to destroy it. It is a heavenly, heavenly kingdom. And that's the kingdom that I'm a part of today. How many are part of a heavenly kingdom today? We're part of the kingdom of God. And it's beyond this world. It's out of this world, one writer said. And that's where our focus needs to be. You know, this world is bursting with clues and foretastes of heaven. And make no mistake, Jesus is preparing a place for us. Isn't that a wonderfully comforting thought when Jesus looked at his disciples and said, I, I, I know I have to go now, but I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there ye may be also. What a beautiful concept that is. A recent survey of Christians, and this was sad to me, found that most people find it very difficult to actually want heaven. They like the idea of, of maybe thinking about heaven once in a while, but they don't actually want heaven, except as a kind of faraway place. And they really only think of heaven, the survey found, they really only think of heaven as a place to be united with friends and family. Now, I'm not downplaying those emotions. Uh, Brother Frazier, I'm very excited to see Sister Frazier again in heaven. And, uh, and I have many friends and family, and uh, I'm very much looking forward to seeing them in heaven. And many of you do as well. But that's not the only reason I want to go to heaven. I want to go to heaven to be with the Lord. And I think that we, we mostly don't desire heaven because we don't see heaven for what it really is. We don't realize the true bliss and excitement of heaven. And part of that is because we view the world through carnality. We really do. We, the pleasures that we understand are not the pleasures. They don't compare to the pleasures that we're going to see in heaven. Heaven is going to be a place of absolute joy. And even when I say that, I sometimes feel pushback because some people in their heart of hearts, they don't really believe that heaven is going to be a place of, but heaven is going to be a place of absolute perfection, joy unspeakable and full of glory is what one old time writer says. And, and I don't even, in our modern English vernacular, I, I don't even hardly have words to describe the bliss of heaven. Bliss doesn't even seem, it's not even a word we use very much anymore, but Heaven is going to be a place of absolute bliss and perfection. 
And when we understand that, it, it changes our perspective on this world and what heaven is like. Just, just to put it in perspective, try to think of a world. The, the, the Bible tries to give us a glimpse when it says there'll be no more tears. Can you imagine a place where there will be no more tears and no more sorrow? There'll be no more sickness and there'll be no more pain. That alone ought to get you running the aisles on Sunday night. That alone ought to make you want to shout and clap your hands and praise the Lord. Heaven is going to be a a place with, with no pain, no sorrow. But if we're not careful because we're stuck in this temporal finite world, Our whole lives educate us about this world. Our lives don't educate us about the afterlife. We think about the present, the temporal, the mortal, and not the eternal. Live in the now has been society's mantra for a long time. Or the more recent expression, YOLO, you only live once. That mentality permeates our pop culture in a destructive way. It's not a good thing uh, because... The idea that you only live once or that you should live for the now is, is absurd because you don't live once. This body lives once, but your soul lives forever. And so this body, in fact, I've often, you know, I hear, I hear teenagers use the expression all the time, especially on social media. It's tragic. And they usually use it when they're about to do something. And, and I'm just going to say it when they're about to do something really stupid. Have you ever noticed that young people and teenagers, young adults, they say YOLO when they're about to really blow it big time and they're justifying themselves. Hey, yeah, I've got to go get drunk tonight because I only live once. Yeah, I've, I've got to go ahead and and, uh, and and stay involved in this really destructive relationship. I've got to go ahead and be really promiscuous now because you only live once. You ever notice that? Right when they're about to really do something really terrible, really mess it up big time. I've got to drive 120 miles an hour in my new car because you only live once. Isn't that crazy how people do that? But it's not true. Your body lives once and then you live again. You live forever. And so I, I often flip that on your head. You know, if you only live once, you need to make the best of it and you get one shot and you need to do it right. If you only have one chance to decide your eternal fate in between heaven and hell, then you better give it your very best shot. And you better not approach it casually or flippantly or foolishly. You ought to approach it in the fear and the admiration of God. That's what the Bible says. We ought to walk in the fear of the Lord. And so that changes your perspective. And I believe, I really do believe that everyone, and I mean everyone, yearns somewhere deep inside for heaven. The most beautiful song you've ever heard is an echo of heaven. The most amazing display of nature that you've ever seen is an echo of heaven. Ambition, drive, determination, desire, passion are all emotions that in their proper perspective direct us towards heaven. Everyone said heaven. In heaven sits the supreme seat or throne of God. It's above all other heavens. It's the place where we believers, those of us who are saved, will go in our spirits when we die. We never read... In the Bible, now I've, I found this interesting as I studied. We never read anywhere in the Bible that, that the believer goes to heaven. That actual phrase is not in the Bible. It never says that we're going to go to heaven in those words. We say that a lot. But probably because the Holy Spirit never exalts the place. Listen very carefully. God never exalts the place we're going above the person to whom 
we're going to be with. Streets of gold, walls of jasper, tranquil seas, crystal clear, all of the silver, all of the eternal mansions and all of the blessings and all of the things and all of the bliss and all of the joy. All of that is not to be our only focus. Our main focus is supposed to be on the reality that we're going to be with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In the Bible, the focus is always on who we're going to be with. We're going to be with the Lord. Paul said that that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. How many are thankful for that? Paul said later in the book of Philemon, and I'm paraphrasing now, he said, if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So if I continue living, I can, I can do a, more work for the Lord. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go be with Christ, which is far better for me, but I still have work to do in this world. I want you to notice the mentality that Paul had. had. That's an amazing thing. He had a mentality that said, you know, I'm not living just for the pleasures of this world. I, I, I have things to do. I want to be here. I have friends, family. I need to preach the gospel. There's still millions of souls that aren't saved. And so I realize that there's much work to be done. But it would be better for me if the Lord decided to take me right now. In the end, that would be better for me. Isn't that foreign to our thinking? How many people do you know who actually think that way when the rubber meets the road? In the end, if the Lord decided to take me right now while I'm teaching this lesson, in reality, we would be sad, and I hope that some of you would be sad, and I hope no one would rejoice. But in the end, it would be far better for me to be with the Lord. Even though I'm happy, I love my family, I love doing the work of the Lord, and I'm blessed beyond measure. But in the end, all of those blessings cannot compare to the reality of what it will be like when I'm in heaven. Jesus said, I will receive you unto myself. Notice again that it's always the person and not the place that gives the greatest comfort to the heart of the believer. He could have described the mansion. He could have told you all of the things you're going to do. He could have told you all of the... All of the fun entertainment and all of the things that will occupy your time. There's going to be a lot of things there that we don't know about. Things that, that we can't even imagine or understand right now. Our brains wouldn't even be able to comprehend it. Jesus could step in here right now and try to explain it to us. But our human brains wouldn't comprehend. Just like when Jesus spoke to the crowds in parables, they didn't understand what he was trying to say. Their minds couldn't comprehend what God was trying to do. Jesus could talk to us right now and we wouldn't be able to comprehend it. But in the end, it's not about the mansion. Even though it's going to be great and I'm excited about it. I really am. But in the end, it's about being with the Lord. And so I know I'm talking to heaven about heaven with people who who love the Lord today. One writer said it's safe to tell the pure in heart that they shall see God for only the pure in heart want to. And I think that's a profound statement. If you don't love the Lord, then most of everything we've talked about will so far has been boring and uninteresting. But if you love the Lord, this is an exciting conversation for you today because you're looking forward to it. You know, I've, I'm running out of time, but I've found that the threat of hell and even the hope of heaven for a sinner who doesn't love the Lord doesn't change their hearts or minds. So you can preach about heaven to a sinner. It really doesn't alter their minds. 
And you can preach about hell to a sinner and, and they might be scared for a minute, maybe. But, you know, listen, people are watching so much junk these days. They've seen so many horror movies. I'm telling you, people have warped their consciences. They've completely warped their minds. They've seared their minds. I, I sometimes get sad. One of the things I hate about social media is you'll see the things that kids are posting on. And I'll see little nine-year-old kids posting about the most recent horror flick that they were watching. And, and my, my heart just hurts. I think, how, how, could it, how could adults be allowing children to watch that kind of filth and searing their minds? They, they've watched things. They, so when a preacher gets up without any visual aid at all and, and just starts talking about the reality, and it is a reality, talking about the reality of hell, people are so seared to that kind of thing. They, it, just, it just bounces off, off their shoulders. And I'm not saying we shouldn't preach about it. We should. I'm, I'm doing it right now. It's, it's a reality. You don't want to go to hell. You do want to go to heaven. I promise you. And by the way, hell is a real place. And, uh, and, 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 but people, people don't make their decision based on, on those things. In the end, what will sustain you is falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus is what will sustain you. And by the way, you, you're not going to be able to entice the rich man with a mansion in heaven. He's already got a mansion. It's not about the mansion. It's falling in love with Jesus. Rich and poor can fall in love with Jesus. And so that's what our desire ought to be, is to fall in love with Jesus. And then the rest falls into place. The rest always falls into place. Let me, let me close by, by reading one, one final scripture to you. Colossians 3 and 12. Let's stand. And I had a lot more I wanted to get through. Colossians 3 and 1, excuse me. If ye then being risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Everyone said above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above. Not on things on the earth. That ought to be our heart's cry today. Could we lift up our hands in closing and ask the Lord to give us a longing for things above? Lord, I pray that we would put a premium on heavenly things, God. I pray that our focus would not be on this world. Lord, I'm thankful for the blessings of this world. I'm thankful for all of the good things that you've given me in this life. But God, I pray that I would not fall asleep to the hope of glory. I pray that the church would be awake to the reality of heaven. And that we would long to go there. We love you and we give you praise. And everyone said in Jesus name. In Jesus name. God bless you.